0: What's going on? Welcome to Pick 6, Week 2. Wow. Unbelievable Week 2. And Week 3, I cannot wait for it. I can't, you know, I don't really care about this Thursday night football game. We will get to that. That's going to be an absolute stinker. But as always, Jeff Wall, David Crosby, I'm your host, Nolan Kangas, Jalen Ramsey. I-, I think this guy's the best corner in the game. Two-time Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro, and he wants out of Jacksonville. He's kind of said it you know, blatantly, he just wants to win. He did add some curse words, I'm not going to say them for you. But guys, is this a mistake if the Jaguars trade Ramsey? Um, I really, to be honest,
1: the Jaguars have made so many mistakes, it's tough to put <laughs> this one up there with a lot of them, but um, I think they should really try to rectify this, because this is a good team, this is definitely a team that could Potentially compete for this division. We saw how close they kept it with the Texans who are likely to be the winners of the division. Mm. I think that they really need to fix this right away and try and keep Jalen Ramsey for sure.
2: No, I think this is the right move. For me, any time a player doesn't want to play for you, I think you've got to trade him before his value declines. I'm not sure what they're going to get for him. It's crazy to me they're asking for two first-rounders. If they can even get one like the Dolphins did for Minka Fitzpatrick, I would be pulling the trigger on that immediately. And I think, to me, the most important thing about this comes down to money. Ramsey drove a Brinks truck to Jag's camp this year. Clearly, he is not going to settle for anything less than easily top three uh, money at his position. And I think he could be a holdout candidate this season, which is what I would be worried about if I traded for him as well. Uh, Right now, he's got a great deal, $7.4 million cap hit this season, He's on his fifth-year option next year, $13.7 million. Once again, that would be good if he doesn't hold out and he shows up.
0: I think he's slated to be the highest-paid corner in the history of football. And Damien Howard's making, I think, $15.1 million right now. I think we can all agree Ramsey's going to make more than that. So, guys, I did a little bit of research, which I rarely do. But $15 million in cap room. And, obviously, you know, we said Ramsey's going to need that. I put the only teams that have that cap room who were bottom 15 in uh, past defense last year and past defense this season. So we're left with Miami, Oakland, Philly, Kansas City. I don't think Miami's obviously going to be, you know, sitting there's no way you can have $30 million tied up with two corners. That, that To me, that just doesn't make sense. Oakland, maybe. Gruden obviously liked him coming out of the draft and he was really high on him, but... I just don't think it makes sense for them to give up a first, guys. I think it's between Philadelphia and Kansas City, two teams who have Super Bowl aspirations, who have those you know weak points to their team. Obviously, Kansas City's offense, unbelievable. Patrick Mahone, some of the throws he was making against Oakland was laughable. And uh, I, to myself... He might be the best quarterback I've ever seen. I might be getting ahead of myself, but holy crap is that guy good. In Philadelphia, if Wentz can stay healthy, this is a really solid team. They have a really good front seven, but that secondary is ugly. Do you think these are the two teams, Jeff, that are probably going to be the final two to get Ramsey?
1: I I would definitely put them as favorites, but I would say that I would definitely put Kansas City much higher and much more likely to him because I think they're going to want him more than the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles have a lot of depth in other places, and not that he, he is definitely the greatest corner, cornerback in the league, I think, personally. Um, but I think that they have so many other pieces, and I think what they've done best is kind of not allow the cap to hinder them in any way, and I think by pay, like paying too much for even as great a player as he is would be a mistake. But Kansas City... They're really hurting on defense, and I don't think that there's any chance that they can really challenge New England again in an AFC t- title game without a great corner like, like him.
2: Well, I'm with you on Kansas City, and I won't uh, go over it for the exact same reasons. Philadelphia, I can see that happening. They're not surprised to you know pay up and get extra guys. Obviously, they love having depth, and you know it's clear they think their window is still open to win another Super Bowl here. But I have a couple more teams I'm a little curious about. The Patriots, I could definitely see going in on this guy. I mean, they're de- this might be the best defense in the last decade that Bill Belichick oh, has yeah. had in New England. And now that they have those uh, couple receivers that they added to this team, if they added Jalen Ramsey, and this is crazy to say, this might be the best Patriots team ever. And to me, that is the one team that it would be definitely worth trading a first rounder for, because you know that's going to be in the bottom five. My sleeper is the Cowboys. They had Ramsey equal with Ezekiel Elliott, just under, obviously, they draft him, drafted him one pick ahead of Ramsey, mm-hmm. but I could see them going after it because of how well the Amari Cooper trade worked out last year. Sure. I don't think they're afraid to trade draft capital either.
0: And I, I think that defense for uh, Dallas is definitely one of the best in the league, especially of those two quick linebackers. You know, Byron Jones and Jalen Ramsey would be really unbelievable. And I do think you guys are correct. It's Kansas City. And the reason why I think Philly isn't scared to make the big moves, I think they're maybe a little scared to pay up. They got their quarterback. You remember – the Eagles super team with Michael Vick and Deshaun Jackson and Jeremy Macklin and LaShawn McCoy. Who was the big piece on defense they had there? It was the corner, Nanami Osmoak, who they got from the Raiders. And he was terrible. Remember Byron Maxwell. He was part of the, the LOB in Seattle. And Philly paid up for him. And he was terrible. So uh, maybe it's a little bit worrisome there. Maybe it's not as much. But they got their Super Bowl. But, and Jalen Ramsey's probably better than both of those guys, but I, I think Kansas City, we saw Ty- Tyron Matthew and Tyreek Hill both tweeting out, hey, hit us up, bro, come on, come to Kansas City. Either way, one you know move that it was kind of shocking to all of us was Minka Fitzpatrick. We knew he kind of wanted out of Miami, seemingly every player wants out of Miami, because that is a dumpster fire. But for Pittsburgh to give up a first, Jeff, how surprised were you with that move? I was absolutely shocked especially this
1: coming right after the Ben Roethlisberger injury. Mm-hmm. I know that defense is this, this franchise's identity, and I understand that, but you were going to have a top-five pick, and I definitely understand that you, wanted, you, you do want something you know, that you know is good, as opposed to, you know, sometimes picks, as we know, don't always pan out, but to me, you knew you were going to be bad, and you knew that you were going to be probably in like the top-five picking, probably. You would get another great piece. And you know, not have to worry about uh, Fitzpa- uh, Nicky Fitzpatrick like hurting your cap. So I personally don't like the move. I, I think it's, I just don't think it's a smart move to give a first round pick. Like if you were make if they were making the playoffs, go for it. Absolutely, you need that piece. But with Ben Roethlisberger towards the end of his career, the receiving core really hurting now. I think it's a bad move.
2: I mean, get out your peanut butter and jelly, boys, because Pittsburgh is toast. This is the yeah. worst trade I can remember in a long time, this is almost guaranteed to be a top 10 pick in the first round, and I'm with you Jeff, I think they have a really good chance of falling into the top 5, even if Rudolph is your quarterback of the future, is Minka Fitzpatrick, if he was in this draft coming up, would he be a top 5 pick? Probably not, and not to mention you're also getting less contract than if you drafted him. This is insane. I, I have no idea what they're thinking, but they must be way higher on Rudolph than anybody else is.
0: I, and I did like Mason Rudolph a lot coming out of Oklahoma State, and he's got his buddy, James Washington, there. They were probably in college, the best deep threat that we've seen in a long time. Like you know, It was Baker and uh, Hollywood Brown and Kyler and Hollywood Brown, and they were right in the thick of that, too. Mason Rudolph and James Washington were scary at Oklahoma State. But, yeah, they must have a lot of... I will also say, Micah Fitzpatrick is a terrific, terrific player. And I just... If he was drafted by maybe any other team, would show a little bit more promise. But he he was really high on the radar. And he was terrific at Alabama. But, again, you know, most defensive backs look terrific at Alabama and Nick Saban's defense. It's weird that they made this move because he's supposed to be a safety. They already have two young safeties. So are they going to throw him at corner? Because that's just... He can. He can do it. He's just not as dominant for that. And I think giving up a first-rounder is... It's seeming more and more common nowadays, which is weird. For the Cooper deal, Khalil Mack deal, the Mary Tunsil deal, it's odd that you do it for a player this young and hasn't really shown much of his capabilities. Unlike Cooper, we know what he could do. Khalil Mack, you know, Defensive
2: Player of the Year. It's kind of odd. For me, though, this is a a bit of a different situation because I didn't mind the Cooper and the Mack trade so much. At first, the sticker shock of the Cooper trade, I was thrown off a little bit, but they ended up being right. They were a good team, and that pick Mm -hmm. was worth it. Those were all-in moves. That's what's confusing to me. This is an all-in move. For a team that probably isn't going to make the playoffs, Next Gen Stats right now, their advanced stats for the rest of the season, give Pittsburgh a seven percent chance of making the playoffs. This is in no way close to where the Cowboys and the Bears were last year, who were trying to take advantage of a quarterback who was good on a low salary. Pittsburgh is not there.
1: No, uh, sorry, go ahead, Jack. I just kind of find it odd that, like, you know, you talk about it like Khalil Mack. Obviously, you know what he can do. You know he's a dominant, he's one of the best pass rushers in the league. Yep. Amari Cooper, I'll admit, like I just don't think a first-round pick for, for that kind for of, that he's a good player, very good player, but like a first-round pick, mm-hmm. you never, you're right, you never used to see that, and I also think that, you know, for Minka Fitzpatrick, like, a first-round pick for him, and then you've got Khalil Mack, a first-round pick, I've seen other guys go for less as well, it like I know Antonio Brown wanted out, but like there's the same thing, yeah. same situation. Like if it's Patrick wants out, then don't let them make, don't make them give you a first round pick for him. You know, don't don't let them take your first round pick where well, you could arguably t- get like a second for him, or maybe even a couple of picks for him. A first round pick to me is too important for a guy that really isn't the elite of the elite.
0: And to, I do think some teams do miss a lot on their first round picks, and hey, you, you know you get uh, Tom Rainier and Antonio Brown. I think, you know, going back to Ramsey, I would do two first-rounders, which is kind of wild to say. If you're trying to win a Super Bowl, that is your goal. Like, I'm not saying, hey, Miami, go after him. Give him two firsts. Or, you know, Jacksonville, uh, obviously he's already on Jacksonville, but a team who's not going to get over that hump, Tampa Bay. If you're Kansas City, you're going to be competitive for the next 10, 12 years with Patrick Mahomes. I think mean, no, no ifs or buts about it, right? That offense is incredible. You're going to have to pay him. I, Tyreek Hill did get paid, but I don't think you're going to have to give a lot to Nicole Hardman, to Marcus Robinson. I think a lot of people will want to play in that offense and won't, don't mind taking those little bit of pay uh, you know, pay decreases, sort of like the Tom Brady effect that he had in New England. I just, to me, why not? If that, if that picks you know, at 30 or 31 and for the next two years... You know, Jacksonville might miss on those picks, and those top players there aren't necessarily always the best. Like uh, who was uh, out of Florida, and Jacksonville got him after they made it to the AFC Championship. Taven Bryant. I don't think he's touched the field yet for the Jags, right? So I, I think if you're one of those teams that has the Super Bowl aspirations and you want to go get the best corner available and you have the money to go pay him, go do it. Obviously, guys, we're going to move on this you know situation. I kind of feel bad. It's tough to see. Would you call him a legend or a Hall of Famer, Eli Manning? Obviously, week three he will not be starting. It's going to be the rookie, Daniel Jones. It's uh, is this the second straight year where Eli's been benched? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of obviously tough to see that, and he just got bad. And it's, there's no other way to put it because he was hurting the New York Giants clearly. And I think this is. You know, a good move for New York. You know, I was kind of shocked they did it as early as they did. I thought maybe after the buy would have been the smarter decision. But where do you think the Giants go for here? Not only you know with Daniel Jones, but Eli. What do you trade him? Do you just help him try and mentor Daniel? What's the situation there, Jeff?
1: Ah, uh, man, it is a, a awfully tough situation with the New York with the New York Giants. I just, I really don't know. And I kind of, I don't know. I'm still on the fence about. What do you do with a quarterback coming in as a first-rounder? If you value him that high, like, you know, you may value him high, but, like, everybody values they, – they evaluate things differently. Is it about potential? Is it about is he ready? And, obviously, the New York Giants know more than me whether or not Daniel, uh, Daniel Jones is ready. But I just – I don't know. With, with the pieces around him, I feel like you could have one of those um, one of those David Carr situations where he just takes a pounding and can't get anything going, and his confidence just shrinks and he's not the guy that you drafted even at yeah. that point. And I think they're putting themselves in a tough situation where they could just put Eli Manning on the field for a bit and let him learn on the sideline. And, and, and I think I think Eli Manning could be a good mentor to a young quarterback, so I, I think it's kind of the wrong move.
2: Hmm. I'm on the other side, actually. I think this is a great move for the Giants, and here's why. Their offensive line is good enough now to protect Jones when he comes in. Manning... What are you expecting to get from him? His his streak of consecutive starts already ended last season, so there's really nothing, no bad publicity for the Giants in starting Jones instead. I know he's got a full no-trade clause, but I do think there would be two teams he may be willing to waive it for that might have mutual interest, and that would be the Jaguars with Tom Coughlin and the New York Jets, who obviously need a quarterback right now, and he wouldn't even have to move. He plays in the same stadium. So, you know, he sounds like he wants to stay in New York. I think it might be best for both if he gets traded, but I think it's time to give Jones a chance because Manning has shown nothing. His QBR through two games is 30. That's by far the worst mark of his career. 6.2 yards an attempt third lowest of his career. I think if you continue to start him over Jones, players in the locker room aren't going to listen to you anymore because they're going to know you're not trying to win anymore. You're just trying to save face and keep the face of your franchise on the field.
0: That's a fair point, too. And obviously, it is tough. I wish Manning would have retired after last season and okay, you know, Eli, we're going to go get a quarterback here in the first round. It, it's just not going to be your job anymore. We thank you for everything you did, two Super Bowls, two Super Bowl MVPs. It's just kind of sad seeing a guy who is almost a legend in New York from 2007 to 2012, or 11, sorry, when they won, and now he's getting benched after two weeks. I do, to the first round picks, I it just doesn't make sense to me to, oh, let him learn. Baker should have been starting from the beginning. Josh Allen got it in the second half because Peterman was terrible. Should have been starting from the beginning. Lamar Jackson should have been starting from the beginning. I think Dalvin Zone should have been starting from the beginning. Like, look at Kyler Murray. Right? He, in that first half, he was really bad. And he turned it on the second half, and they ended up tying Detroit. And he put up 350 yards against a good Baltimore defense. I, like, it just doesn't make sense why he would draft someone in that first round and then, uh, you know, groom them. Obviously, it kind of sucks because the only situation I can think about where someone did that was... Patrick Mahomes, right? He learned behind Alex Smith, and now you're the best quarterback in football. So whether Eli gets traded, I, I don't know. I again, if he goes to the Jets, you're sitting behind, like behind Darnold when it hits week nine or whenever he gets back, and it's the same routine. And I think the Jets, even I would, I would just keep losing if I'm them. I, I don't think there's a,
1: any reason that any of those QB needy teams really should be taking Eli Manning. I just mm-hmm. think they just there's not. Even the backups that are playing right now, I would, honestly, Gardner Minshew doesn't look that bad. I, I mean, if you know that your team's going to be bad, like, you just got to kind of accept it. I know that's hard for everybody in the locker room yeah. to hear, obviously, like like David said. Like, that's a great point, you know. You need everybody to know, like, there's a plan in place we're trying to win. But the New York Football Giants, the, sorry, New York Football Giants and New York Football Jets both know that, like... It's just not going to happen. Like the talent is just not there. The the, the pieces are not in yep. place yet, and I don't think that they can just grab Eli Manning, who has has not been good for years, especially in the regular season. You know, to to bring them out and uh, get get like make a playoff push. I just don't see it.
2: And and yeah. sorry to be fair, I think this is the worst talent that's ever surrounded Manning in his career right now. Especially uh, Golden Tate still on the shelf yeah. until week five, but. I think it does make sense, specifically for the Jags and the Jets, because they're both down to their third string quarterback. Like, if that guy gets hurt, are you rolling a position player out there under center? And I think we've seen the price of a a passable backup quarterback has gotten higher in the last few years, and I think if you can get Eli Manning for somewhere between a fifth and a seventh round pick, I think that's pretty good value.
0: Yeah, I, I could see that too. But I think if you're the Jets, Miami's going to have that number one pick. I think the Jets are right there. So if Miami goes and gets at Oa. Chase Young is supposed to be a six-five monster. I believe. I don't even. I think they call him his nickname is the Predator uh, on the D line of Ohio State. You go and get him. I think he has nine tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks in five games. The dude's an absolute stud. So if they get him at number two and just keep losing until Sam Darnold comes back and gets to learn a bit, I'd be fine with them doing that. I'd like to see Eli stay in New York. I just, it, to me, it gets to that sad point where someone stayed their career with a whole, like a team their whole entire career, and they start fading off, and then they're on, you know, just Emmett Smith going to Arizona. It made no sense. It made no sense. It's just weird to see him in a different uniform, right? It's Adrian Peterson now with, you know, the Saints, the Cardinals, and then uh, the Redskins now. It, it's just bizarre, and they can't accept it, that it's coming to a close. Even though AP had a 1,000 years last year, guys... It might be coming to a close for these guys right now, but it seems like it's going to be uh, coming you know, to a close for their teams this season. Like you mentioned, That's Big Ben, he's out for the year. We've already said Pittsburgh's going to be terrible. What about the New Orleans Saints? Drew Brees out till about their Saints for six weeks, so about week eight. And you have Teddy Bridgewater and Payson Hill there on the bench. Sean Payton's supposed to be this, you know, wonder-minded, like, you know, creative coach. Are the Saints done? I... I actually
1: think that they have a very small chance mm. of making a play out Just small. It's very, it's minimal. I do, I'm al- I've always been a Teddy Bridgewater believer. I really just, I think he's good. I know he had that near career in the end where everybody said he wouldn't play, but look, he's here now. And I think that the Saints is a very talented roster, kind of like the Colts. The Colts are another team that I think can actually, like Brissett's not as bad as I think everybody's making out to be. I think the same thing with Bridgewater. I think that the talent is there. I think the the coaching staff is there. I think they actually can can just hold on for a few games until Breeze is back. They may not win the division, but they may make the playoffs. Very slim chances, but I'm confident.
2: I see even less than a slim chance of them making the playoffs. Uh, (laughs) And I think this is a case of what you want to see versus what you actually see. And with Bridgewater, he has shown next to no flashes of the guy that he was pre-injury. And it's sad to see. I think anyone who's a football fan is cheering for this guy to come back and regain the skills that he had before, but I just haven't seen it. And if I'm New Orleans and he lays another egg next week, I'd be starting Taysom Hill against Dallas in week four, at, at least give them a look that they have nothing to scout off of and give him a chance. Because to me, with Bridgewater right now, they're not going to win enough games to make the playoffs in the wild card. There's no chance they're passing Atlanta and winning this division, right?
0: See, I, I loved Atlanta coming into the season, and they had that stinker against my Vikings, and they looked good last week against Philadelphia. If you look at you know the same schedule, if Teddy gets a little bit of confidence and they say, buddy, you're the highest-paid backup in football, you know, taking away Eli Manning, obviously, because he was the starter, and now he is the backup, but, you know, he declined going to Miami, where his hometown is, to stay in New Orleans for that money, and just to be in that culture, and to be the next man up for New Orleans, they have the Bucks, that might be a win, they have the Jags, that might be a win, they, obviously, the Cowboys, Seahawks, we'll give those losses, but Bucks, Jags, Sorry, Jeff, but the Bears don't look anything special <laughs> right now. That could be a win. Cardinals, and then Breeze might be back for that Falcons game. Which would be a crucial,
1: crucial game. Absolutely. To take yeah. over the, the division game. And, you know, despite beating the Eagles, it was still a close game. And yeah, I think no, I want sure. to see a little bit more from the, the, the Falcons to really yeah. see so if they can destroy that division.
2: I think it's more likely the Bears win that game, especially because it's in Chicago. And to me, that, that means you have to win all three of Tampa, Jaguars, and Cardinals. And I'm not so sure that could happen. I'm cheering for Teddy. We'll see how he looks in week three. But I'd be really interested to see them just completely switch it up on offense and put Taysom Hill as the second running back with Kamara and Bridgewater, and just run some crazy plays that the defense has absolutely no clue what you're going to do. Because if Bridgewater looks anything like he did in relief of Breeze last week, this isn't a playoff team.
0: You know what, that would be exciting, even though I am a Taysom Hill non-believer. I hate every single time he gets in there, because it makes no sense. You, what else are they going to do? It's a read option. He's either getting the ball or he's not. And it's a gain of three, three yards. And you have Chris Collinsworth, you know, oh, gosh, taste some you know, this is the type of guy who does it, And it it just drives me wild. But if they do that, you know, if he's the quarterback there. That would kill my fantasy team because of Michael Thomas. Wouldn't be getting a look. So either way, I don't like that situation. I don't really like the Saints because they always, you know, they broke my
2: heart because... Of 2009 and Brett How dare you <laughs> hate on Taysom Hill? This guy is electric. <laughs> like, I do understand electric. they're a little bit too predictable now. 90% of the time that he takes the direct snap, he is running it. But can you picture him and Kamara behind Bridgewater? You would have absolutely no idea where the ball was going to go. And just think of the flea flickers, man. Just think of the highlights. Come on, get on board.
0: Uh, he can't throw it that far, so a flea flicker for 12 yards. Yeah, that would be really exciting. Guys, we are going to go do a quick little break, and when we get back, we're going to go winners, losers, and, of course, Thursday Night Football Preview. You're listening to Pick Mm 6. What's going on guys, you are listening to Pick 6, I'm your host Nolan Kangas, Jeff Wall joins me to my left, and of course David Crosby, the producer man behind the glass. Winners and losers guys, my winner is, uh, he still is sort of a loser because the team is going too, but he's a really exciting football player and he's going to love it a lot more. Saquon Barkley, arguably the best running back in football, but finally. He's a winner because he doesn't have to be relied on so damn much because of Eli Manning, right? Like, to me, Daniel Jones is going to step in. They're going to want him to get a lot of throws. I'm expecting 25 throws at least in their Week 3 matchup, and he's a more accurate quarterback than Manning, right? I think you can stop doing little check downs to Saquon, start running some wheel routes, and get him out there almost to what Le'Veon Bell was, almost to what David Johnson used to do for Arizona. And get a little bit more ramped up. Well, like Saquon let's look up Saquon Barkley's receiving yards right now. Because I know he, like last year he got had almost six or seven hundred. He was unbelievable. But whether it's just Eli Manning couldn't hit him for the forty seven receiving yards. He had almost seven hundred and thirty last year and nearly a hundred catches. Like, are you kidding me? Get him the ball. Get him the ball. And it's as simple as that. I think he's a winner because you don't have to rely on you know, you thought, oh, my gosh, here's all the weight on my shoulders again because Eli can't do anything. I like Daniel Jones out there now. I, uh, that's why I'm picking Saquon as my winner. And uh, maybe they'll catch a win this week. I think Daniel Jones is going to surprise some people and uh, have a pretty good game.
1: Yeah, we'll see about that. But uh, for me, my winner right now has to be the Cleveland Browns just because, you know, I mean, how could you not win that game? But, you know, they, they did what they were supposed to do which was beat the New York Jets soundly. And that's what we need to see. And hopefully the team has got a bit of their swagger back and they can keep pushing forward to, I still think, you know, obviously very early in the season, they still have a great shot at winning that division if
0: all the pieces come together like they should as they do on paper. What I do want to say quick is uh, Freddie Kitchens in that offense was my loser last week. They did ramp it up a bit. Baker doesn't look that good right now. I think it's a sophomore slump, and it's tough to see that, because other than that 89-yard slant to Odell Beckham Jr., who did all the work there, that's an ugly game. And Freddie Kitchens, let me look right in the camera here. What the hell are you doing up 20 points and having Baker still out there throwing the ball? New York can't do anything. New York was awful. Other than playing behind Bell. That looked like a high school football team, and you still have him sling the ball with two minutes left in the fourth? Up 20? Get him off the
2: field. I thought Booger's vein was going to pop out of his forehead when that was happening because that that was... I agree, that was ridiculous. But obviously, you and Booger haven't heard of patting the stats because oh. QBR doesn't care what the time <laughs> is and what the score is. Pat the stats, man.
0: All right, Crosby, get me a winner.
2: All right, my winner, undoubtedly, is the Cowboys. Oh. They won their first two games with the Giants and the Skins. And they did just that, and they looked damn good doing it too. They get Miami this week, that's a win by itself, and then they get the Saints without Breeze. If they can win two against the Packers, Jets, and Eagles, they should be 6-1 and one going into their bye. This is a sneaky pick for number one seed in the NFC, if the Rams... Falter a little, and Gurley has some more injury problems.
0: What was the What was the last time that happened when the Cowboys were a number one
2: seed? Too long. I, I don't know. That's a good question. If I had the cricket uh, noise here, I would play that for you. But I, I'm feeling this team right now. I was not a <laughs> oh, concerned. Even when they were down in week two, they look awesome on both sides of the ball right now.
0: And they did look really, really awesome, and the year was 2016. They were the number one seed, and they lost to Green Bay. That was the, I believe.
2: But they should have won, though. I mean, could we put an asterisk next to that loss, or no? Hey,
0: Aaron Rodgers is a bad man. He killed you guys that game. That was a fun one to watch, but I actually, uh, I'm... Just to say it there, I did have New England and Atlanta in that Super Bowl, and I was right. All righty. My loser. I, I do like Dallas' pick. I think Dallas is a really good team. I'm just messing with you, Crosby. My loser this week, and it hurts me to say it, it is the Vikings' pass catchers. Kirk Cousins was pretty awful against the Packers on Sunday. Both interceptions were bad. Both were thrown into triple coverage. And don't get me started. On the one, first and goal, on the eight-yard line, five minutes left in the game. Throw it out of bounds. That was one of the most boneheaded plays I've ever seen. I'm going to stop right there before I pop a vein. But uh, Adam Thielen threw two games. Eight catches, 118 yards, one touchdown. Diggs, three catches, 86 yards, one touchdown. That is not pretty. Through two games last year. The same guys. Diggs, 11 catches, 171 yards, three touchdowns. Thielen, 18 receptions, 231 yards, and a touchdown. I love the new offense. I love how they're just sticking to the run. Dalvin looks like a madman, running for over six and a half yards a carry, leading the league in rushing. But Kirk has to figure this out. I don't know what is going on. I love how they're not relying on him too, too much. They don't need him throwing, you know, fifty times a game, which he did against the Bills when they lost last year, and you know, in that stinker of a game, which made no sense to me. But just make the throws. He doesn't have to do too too much, and he tried doing that in that game. It just didn't make sense throwing it into triple coverage. Do your check down. Run for four yards. In that costly interception. Throw it out of bounds. It just drives me nuts, and these receivers aren't going to like that too, too much. Their fantasy numbers aren't going to go up. Their stats aren't going to go up. Whatever. The only thing that matters to me is winning, and I think they'll like that too, as long as they stick to the run and Kirk isn't
2: relied on too much. And that's always been the rub with Cousins is the game-winning drives and his fourth-quarter decision-making. I'm not sure at this point in his career that's something that you can teach him. I don't want to say this, but his decision-making sometimes makes me think of Jameis Winston. Now, he's a much better quarterback than Winston is, but over and over and over again, this guy makes the wrong decision. And you're absolutely right. Throw it away and live to play one more down, because you're just giving away the game at that point.
0: That, that's weird, because on the way over here, I was thinking, what is, who's Cousins reminding me of when he's making a throw like that? And it was Winston and Manziel in college. And obviously Manziel, sometimes it would work, but again, he had 6'5". Mike Evans, who was a man against boys back then. And obviously it's not that situation with uh, digs in some taller corners and uh, safeties for Green Bay. Jeff, who is your loser? My loser is
1: 100%. It has to be the New Orleans Saints. Because, although I did vouch for them, I mean, losing Drew Brees is just the heart and soul of your team. And and there's nothing, I'm pretty sure that there's nothing that those Saints fans love more than Drew Brees. And it could be an absolute killer. Crosby, I think you made some great points there about Bridgewater. You're right, he hasn't looked the best. So it has to be the Saints for me. I mean, I think we already knew that the Steelers were not great candidates. Saints, however, I still think they had a chance with Brees to have the division, and potentially a first-round buy, and they've lost that for sure.
2: Yeah, I, I was going to go with the Steelers as my loser, but now after thinking about it, I don't want to stomp on this carcass too much longer. <laughs> I'm going to go with anti-tanking advocates. Now that the Miami Dolphins got another first-round pick, they've got three this upcoming draft, they've got two the next draft, I think within three years, they're going to have a completely new and possibly a really good team. And that just is going to give other teams who are terrible more reason to tank.
0: It does make sense to t- you. Look at Cleveland. Like, Cleveland, you know, revamped that team, and they had so much money, and they, you know, were able to go get Jarvis Landry and, you know, hold that contract, and they were able to get Odell Beckham Jr. It's just who is going to be making the decisions in Miami. Because John Dorsey is a really good scout, and he was really good, you know, knows the player personnel. That he was the one who wanted Patrick Mahomes. Right, and it worked out. Obviously, obviously, I bet he wishes no chance to Baker. Baker's going to be unbelievable. Hasn't been this year, but I think he will be. He probably wishes he had Patrick Mahomes in Cleveland instead of Baker. So it's who's going to be making those calls in Miami? Five first-round picks. You have to hit on at least three of them. Because if you miss on every single one, we know they're probably going to go to a uh, first overall. So my prayers to Josh Rosen, because you know you're gone and you're going to go on to another team again, which kind of sucks. Right, and that's that's the worst situation that guy's been put in ever.
2: But two in big games, not pretty. The one thing for me that this team is missing right now is some good media spin. And you asked, you know, why wouldn't you tank? The fans. I mean, the fans yes. are getting the b- bad end of this. Basically, any member of this Dolphins team that they could have cheered for or latched onto in the last few years— is gone or is going to be gone. Like, would you buy a Miami Dolphins jersey anytime in the next four years? Because they're probably not going to hang around, right? It sucks for the fans. What they need to do is get some guys from that process with the Philadelphia 76ers hey. media members to put a nice new spin on this for Miami and get some excitement around there for the fans. Because right now, it sucks in Miami.
0: Not Colangelo though. It's got to be Sam Hinkie, the savior for
2: Philadelphia. You cannot wear, uh, <laughs> you can't wear collars that high in Miami. It's way too hot.
0: All righty, guys. We're gonna get to some fantasy stuff in just a second, but we'll go to another quick little break. Going on, guys. Listen to Pick Six. We will get to our most exciting part of the show, which is usually who we love in fantasy. This is not going to be the most exciting part because it is not an exciting game. Titans Jaguars. Tennessee is a one and a half point favorite. Uh, it's football, so I'll watch it, but I'm probably not going to enjoy it, guys. Marcus Mariota is he the answer for the Tennessee Titans?
1: Has he ever been? <laughs> I genuinely, I, I, him and Jameis Winston are probably two. Of the worst, like, the, like just did, n- just complete misses at quarterback, yeah. and all in one draft, and and you know Mariota, like, I mean, he's shown some flashes in in some way, shape, some way, shape, or form, but like, it's mostly been on the ground. It's mostly been on the ground, guys. I mean, I, I, I don't know. There, there is one quarterback out there that can do probably the exact same thing as him, and also throw. So maybe they should consider that guy. But I don't know. What do I know? Jeff has no
0: faith in uh, Marcus Mariota, clearly. David, do you feel the same way?
2: Yeah, I'm going to keep mine short and sweet. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Unless your question is how can we get to the bottom of this division year after year, he is not the answer.
0: Derek Henry, he seems to have found his groove, though, for the Titans. Obviously, he turned it on in that second half last year, ended up with over 1,000 yards. We all remember the huge game against the Jaguars of four touchdowns. Uh this quarterback play, it's still holding this team back. They do have a really good defense. Do they need a new offensive coordinator or something? Or do you think Mariota's gone after this year?
1: Well, I mean that's the other thing. Again, like who do you, who do you take? I mean I really I, I don't know how he stuck around this long. I really truly don't. I I think he's gotta be gone. I, he has mm-hmm. to be gone, right? I mean that would be the logical thing to do.
2: I hope for uh the fans of this team that he is gone. But if we've seen anything with NFL teams, they do not like to change unless they absolutely have to. So if this defense is good enough to get them to eight and eight, nine and seven, you might see them there for another year or two.
0: All right, guys, Jacksonville—they're going to be trading away on Friday their best defensive player. They still have some really good pieces on defense. What's the identity of this team? Because clearly. They went for Nick Foles. It did look like a better team. I had them making the playoffs. Nick Foles gets injured. It's Gardner Mishnu in there now. Receivers, D.D. Westbrook hasn't done much. D.J. Chark looks like the guy. They don't have a tight end. Their O-line is all, you know, left, right, and center. Nobody really knows what's going on there. And a running back, who is supposed to be the savior for this team. The ground and pound from Baton Rouge. What in the world is up with Leonard Fournette? I couldn't tell you, I just think he
1: really just doesn't quite have it. He's kind of, he's actually a lot like Derrick Henry, like just big, physical, fast. Yeah. And those are obviously huge, huge things for a running back. I mean, like, if you could run over most linebackers, break a few arm tackles, and you got the speed to burn a few guys, I think that is something that can work. But it works better when you have a great offensive line, maybe a little bit more offensive talent around you. I I think, and yet another guy that, like, they just, they just the Jaguars really didn't hit on that. I think a big thing for them, too, Losing uh, Talvin Smith was a big, yeah. big factor for them. Like Losing the, the heart of that defense. And, that's, and it's not just what he does on the field in terms of his play, but also being a leader and leading by example and keeping the guys encouraged, keeping like, the energy going with that team. The big thing that, that they had when they made that playoff push a few years ago is that they just had that, like, that Seattle Seahawks energy. That's really what got them there. I think almost like it was like that Gus Bradley energy. And, you know, maybe maybe people don't like him. I kind of liked what he he brought that fight to the team. And I think that fight and the chaos that's going on around him is kind of what's killed the whole, the whole team right now.
2: And I think that Jalen Ramsey trade request might just light a fire under this defense, hopefully for them in Jacksonville, because, man, things are looking bleak. You mentioned Leonard Fournette. I'm not quite ready to give up on him quite yet. I do think he's doing the right things to try to improve as a player. He lost quite a bit of weight in the off season. He worked on his pass catching. I just don't think they have the talent surrounding him where he doesn't have to face a stack box every single time he's on the field. I don't know what their identity is, but they better find it soon. And, and
0: that's the thing that worries me about this team is they were a quarter away from being in the Super Bowl with Blake Bortles. That's unbelievable. And of course, Uh, New England comes back in that game, and, you know, New England and Philadelphia, remember that? And then last year they were terrible. And the thing with Fournette is I loved him coming out of college too. Like, it looked like he was about to win the Heisman, and then Alabama kind of punched him in the mouth and slowed him down. But he is yet to average over four yards a carry. That's almost like – I don't know if that's sort of the – like what you need as a running back. But if you're averaging under that, that's damn not good.
2: That's, I think all, that's Jeff, not a
1: starting running back in my opinion, not a starting, starting running back in my mind.
2: Yeah, I think, Jeff, you nailed it on the head when you compared him to Derrick Henry. I think he is exactly the same type of running back, but I think Henry has a little bit better talent around him. And even though Mariota, obviously, he's fragile, he gets injured, he doesn't run nearly as much as he used to, just the threat of him running opens up a little bit more lanes than Fournette gets
0: yeah maybe just a playbook or something along the lines of that but guys either way who are we picking in this game i'll go the titans
1: i just think they they got a little bit more sorted out than the jaguars the jaguars are really starting to unravel here and i think that's going to be the big difference i i think tennessee's done a good job of keeping you know the the game against the colts like, fairly close so gotta give it to them there
2: this is a really difficult pick because Thursday nights is so unpredictable. I want to go with the Titans, but I think I'm going to take the points with the Jags at home just because I feel like this is a 50-50 game to me. But the smart bet on this game is the under 39 points. This could be 10-3. to
0: it, it very well could be. This is, these are two really good defenses. Obviously, Jacksonville didn't show it in that game last year when Derrick Henry ran all over them. I think Derrick Henry is going to do that again But not to that extent, (laughs) with touchdowns and over 200 yards. Uh, I'll take Tennessee, around 17-13. And yeah, not too high scoring. But we get to the most exciting part of our show, fantasy, with studs, duds, and sleepers. Last week, stud-wise, it was Jeff who probably won that round there. I pick Christian McCaffrey. He had under 50 total yards and no scores. David had Mark Ingram, who had 77 total yards, but he didn't find the end zone Jeff's pick didn't find pay dirt either, but Lavian Bell, in a PPR league, would have gone nuts. 68 yards on the ground, 10 catches, 61 receiving yards, not too shabby for nearly 130 total yards in a blowout loss to Cleveland. Guys, who is your stud this week? Jeff, get me started.
1: Uh, I mean, it has to be Dak Prescott, right? He's just way, way, way too hot. There's no way he doesn't pass for over 400 yards, and I mean... He should. Re- this is a kind of game where, like, you just you want to you want to like set some- put something in the record books with, with against the Miami Dolphins. Like, how can you not try to do that after Dak Prescott and really try to get the most bang free buck as you can as you head into you know free agency? I I think this is another huge game for him.
2: Jeff, great minds think alike <laughs> because my stud is Amari Cooper, and I know that Dak has been spreading the ball around really evenly across this offense but I think Cooper is going to explode this game. The Dolphins were bad enough on deep coverage when they had Minka Fitzpatrick. Now that he's gone, they're going to be an absolute disaster. This guy could just run show and be on the bench by the third quarter and still win you your week in fantasy.
0: I'm going to pick a quarterback as my stud who runs a little bit too, but he runs a little bit more than people expected. Josh? Allen, the quarterback for the Bills. I'm really hard on him, and I'm really hard on the Bills usually, but Bengals, they're third worst against stopping the run this season. They were fourth worst last season, and uh, here come the 2-0 Bills, likely about to be 3-0, and they love running the ball. Frank Gore drives me nuts. He's getting way too many touches. It should be Devin Singletary because clearly he's the best running back in that backfield, but we know Josh Allen can run. I'm expecting at least 10 carries, 60 yards, one or two scores, and the Bengals can't stop anything. You know, in the air too, right? San Fran threw all over them. Jimmy and Garoppolo had a phenomenal game. I think Josh Allen might have a four score game here against the Bengals. Yep. Look for Allen to have a really huge game, guys. Dudwise, last week, David was the only one who was correct. He picked Adrian Peterson, 10 carries, 25 yards, and a touchdown. He did fun in the end zone, but still, two and a half yards a carry is uh, pretty ugly. I had Devontae Adams, and I wasn't smart picking that. He had 100 yards. And Jeff, he had Kyler Murray, who didn't, you know, get a touchdown, but 350 yards, no turnovers in that card's loss to the Baltimore. So, David,
2: congratulations. You win nothing, but you can get me started with a dud. My dud this week is Mixon, and this is not a surprise, but I'm going to tell you why he shouldn't even come close to your flex position this week. Whoa. He's averaged less than two yards per carry for two straight weeks to open the season. He's playing through a high ankle sprain, and his poor offensive line play against a good Buffalo defense in week three stuffed disaster to me.
0: Well, that hurts my fantasy team, so thanks for that, David. Jeff, what do you got? Uh, I have Alvin
1: Tamara and I just think, you know, looking what he did against the Rams, you know, uh, he went he went for 13 carries, 45 yards, averaging under 4 yards per carry. He's now going up against the Seattle Seahawks, who held James, James Conner, uh, 11 carries for 33 yards. They are the fourth best rushing defense in the NFL early, but I think you know they're going to be they're going to be stacking the box here. They're they're going to be trying to come after Alvin Kamara. Latavius Murray might be a little bit of a better option, I think.
0: Wow, both kind of bold picks. Mixon hasn't had a great year so far, but Kamara obviously one of the best running backs in football. Uh, Mind dud isn't too that you know high you know high name caliber there. Uh, I'm picking D.D. Westbrook, the receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And he struggled this year getting the targets and receptions. Everyone thought he was going to be the number one guy when Nick Foles uh, got signed there with Jacksonville. But Gardner Mishnu... has found his number one target, and that's DJ Chark. The uh, Titans Jackson Jacksonville last year, which we've mentioned before, so I think there's going to be a lot of pressure there on Mishnu and even Leonard Fournette. I don't think he's going to get anything started there. I would not be shocked if D.D. Westbrook had zero catches in this game. Do not start him. Do not put him as a flex. I've already been hurt by (laughs) starting him in week one. It's going to be ugly in that game, and it's not very high scoring. If anyone's scoring the ball, it's going to be on defense with a Marcus Mariota interception or it's going to be a four net, maybe at the goal line. TD's nowhere close to your starting lineup. All righty, guys. And our sleeper. My sleeper is, is kind of the favorite one, right? Because it gets it kind of amped up if you actually did pick that. And, yeah, that's right. And last week, sorry, that was me, Mark Andrews. Obviously, you know, not a huge sleeper. You guys had some, you know, kind of off-the-board picks there. And Mark Andrews, I believe he was started in 79% of leagues, so that's still a high amount. But he's the highest-scoring Tight end in football right now. That is pretty wild stuff. Jeff, you had A.J. Brown, and I thought that was a pretty good pick, but he had a stinker of a game. He had three catches, 25 yards. David's pick, Darren Waller, had a pretty good game. He had a pretty good game, and I was shocked. Not a bad start, six catches, 63 yards, but Mark Andrews, eight catches, 112 yards, and a touchdown. So I guess I will take the dub there. Uh, everyone's going 1-1-1. One, one, one. We'll see what it is this week. So I'll get started with a sleeper, and it is a running back in Pittsburgh. It's Jalen Samuels, it's the backup. Owned in 36% of leagues, and I just think James Conner, he's been banged up, right? He didn't have a great week against Seattle, and he, he wasn't practicing today. He says, Oh, I'm good to go on Sunday, I'm good to go on Sunday there's going to be a lot of handoffs in that game because I don't think they're going to rely on Mason Rudolph too, too much to be throwing 30 times a game. Samuels is going to get a lot of action, and when he does, he performs pretty well. Last season, when Connor was banged up and Samuels was the starter, 42 carries, 223 rushing yards, 12 catches, 105 yards. That's pretty solid for a backup, and he's a young guy too. I think he'll get quite a few touches in this game. I, I, not a bad you know, start at a flex position there.
1: Uh, I will go with the Chargers wide receiver, Travis Benjamin. And the reason is he is going up against one of the worst passing defenses in the NFL. It is the Houston Texans. They are 22nd ranked in pass defense. And I just think that right now, Phillip Rivers looks good. I think the pass rush, you know, losing that extra pass rusher has kind of hurt this defense. They're hurting a little bit on the back end. And so I think that, you know, a big playmaker could make some huge plays. And I think Benjamin's the guy.
2: Well, that is an exceptional sleeper pick because right now in Yahoo Leagues, he is exactly 0% owned. So it looks like even you don't have him on your team right now. But here's my sleeper, another wide receiver for the 49ers, Debo Samuel. He led the 49ers in receiving in Week 2, 5 of 7 for 87 yards and a touchdown. He looks to be locked in as their number one wide receiver. And he's only owned in 28% of leagues, yes. only went up 14% this week. Jump on him if he's available in yours.
0: And, and Dante Pettis, who everyone thought was going to be the number one, has not done anything. I did like Samuel and He should be getting some action in the special teams as well, returning some uh, kicks and some punts. But, guys, we'll see once again who comes out on top with studs, duds, and sleepers, if we're all correct on Thursday Night Football, because last week we were incorrect because, of course, Cam Newton can't throw football anymore, but we'll be talking about plenty of that and more next week. Thanks for tuning in to Pick 6.